Baker Mayfield, undraftable, off my board. The Cleveland Browns select Baker Mayfield. What's up, everybody? Welcome into the OBR Film Breakdown. I'm your host, Jake Burns, talking about Browns on a weekend where there's nothing to talk about. It's kind of difficult thing to do. It was really nice to have a full college football Saturday. Haven't had one of those in a while. It was really neat to uh, just sit down all day and enjoy, uh, you know, the old school feel of, of, of all of those games. You know, Wisconsin, the jump around, all of the pageantry of these games, you know, Georgia, Clemson. And UCLA, LSU were two fun nightcaps, a nice day. Uh, some prospects that we talked about on yesterday's podcast with Stephen Thomas were up and down. We had some good, some bad. We'll decipher that throughout the remainder of the year, try to uh, figure out which draft prospects make the most sense. Go back and listen to that one if you have not. It's been a fun week of pod- podcasting. We had Andre not on earlier in the week. If you haven't listened to that one, you should also check that one out. And we had John Colosimo on to talk about system quarterback stuff. We like to talk to John about all things Baker Mayfield as often as we can, kind of looking at big picture things, how he's perceived, how he's perceived against his his peers, league-wide, whatever. Talked about it all, so check that one out. Have a fun podcast coming today. Andrew Siciliano, lifelong Cleveland fan, if you did not know that, he hosts the Red Zone on NFL Sunday Ticket. He hosts that show, big part of NFL Network was gracious enough to go on Brownstown with Andre Knott. Again, listen to that. And uh, is, is really gracious enough as he's in Canton preparing for a game that he is calling, uh, was gracious enough to spend some time with us. So let's get over to that interview. Before we do so, though, here is a quick word from our sponsors. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Okay, every now and again, we get pretty lucky with a guest. Time worked out, you know, shoot a shot at a DM and see what happens. Andrew Siciliano from the NFL Network, thank you so much for joining us. Hey, Jake, glad it worked out. I'm actually sitting in a hotel room in Canton getting ready for a a college game on on NFL Network on Sunday, so we made it work. Yeah, we keep it all in Ohio, prove the recording quality, all that stuff. (laughs) That's great, man. Listen, tell uh, I know you were on Brownstown with Andre Knott, which is a fantastic show. If you guys are not listening, uh, listening to it, you should be. I wanted to give you a chance to talk a little bit about some of your background, why, you, you know, you grew up a Browns fan, all that stuff. Yeah, it's a uh, child abuse, actually. Jake. Um, <laughs> no, in, in all seriousness, I'm uh, I'm in my 40s. I am a uh, 
a child who grew up with the 80s Bernie teams. My dad's from Cleveland, um, went to Cathedral Latin and went to John Carroll. And, uh, you know, my whole my whole family on my dad's side is here. Um, I grew up in northern Virginia, though, outside D.C., mm. the D.C. burbs. My dad uh, ended up in the army and then ended up in that area and stayed there. And uh, so I was born and raised there, but born and raised as a as a huge Browns fan because that's all my dad cared about. And uh, would come back here and, you know, every summer see my grandmother in Lyndhurst and go to Browns camp in Lakeland and eventually Berea and uh, just kind of grew up with it. It was before Sunday ticket, really. And uh, we'd find, you know, bars and and I would, you know, back in the day, uh, you know, get the rabbit ears to get the AFC games out of believe it or not, Baltimore, once the Colts left um, and, and and try to get games on TV. But those are those are the teams I grew up with. The 85 team, you know, it's kind of the team that I fell in love with. I was uh, 11 at that point. And then uh, that was it. I was I was hooked. So who you, you, you love those late 80s teams? Who was who was your guy? Were you a Bernie guy? Total Bernie guy. Uh, absolute total Bernie, Mac Miner, um, Slaughter, Langhorn, Ozzy. I mean, I, I, I have in my home in L.A. a, a framed copy of that uh, Ozzy on the cover of SI uh, after the Jets overtime game. You know, I, I have my original banking on Bernie SI as well. I mean, those those were those are my teams. It was funny. I was sitting uh, sitting in my kitchen in Los Angeles a couple of months ago on one of those rare days off with nothing to do. And for some reason I went down a rabbit hole and was watching the bills 89 playoff game. Right. And uh, it was on the Browns had it up on the team site and I just went down a rabbit hole and there was a play in that game where on a fourth and one Bernie ran an option to the short side and pitched a Metcalf. And they got the first. And I was like, what the hell? I don't remember that play. And I whipped out my phone and I texted Bernie. I'm name dropping here. Mm-hmm. Like, what the hell was that? And and he responded. And then I stepped back and I went out. I'm like, you know what? I got to get out of the house. I went out for a run and I texted my brother. I'm like, I'm in my mid-40s. I have a day off and I'm watching a game from 89 texting Bernie Kosar. Like I'm either the luckiest guy in the world or the biggest loser in the world. And my brother said, you're both now go outside and exercise. <laughs> Listen, I'd have questions about a Bernie, any kind of Bernie option. We know a lot about Bernie. Yeah, we know like, he well, wasn't the fleet well, of foot guy. No. And that was my whole point. I'm like, did, did, and my question was, did Tressman call that a fourth yeah. and one option to the short side? Or did you check to that? And he didn't answer the question. He said, I always wanted to be an Oklahoma wishbone quarterback. <laughs> what a great answer. What yeah. A great answer. Yeah. We had Metcalf on. I should have, I wish we'd had this before because Metcalf was on with us like two weeks ago. Could have, could have fired that question to him. Uh, because, yeah. He was great. Was such a great interview. Um, well, let's, let's shift to this, this modern version. We'll skip past like, you know, three decades of struggling and, and uh, and jump into what is supposed to be a pretty fun season this year. I've had this theory that the 2019 season of failed expectations is going to really help this group because that was the last time the Browns really felt like the the media was really pushing them, right? They, they were supporting them. 
and believed in them, but everything didn't align right. And I think that some of that stuff, as we now know, Baker, Miles, Nick, these guys to be a little bit NFL mature, I think it could help them. Am, am I onto something there? Or do you think that's just kind of uh, this kind of crazy? No, I think you're onto something. I, that, that that 2019 team, even though you know, still late in the season, the game at Arizona comes to mind. They they mm-hmm. had a shot, and then they just couldn't. You know, they fell flat on their face. There, there were that team was fundamentally flawed at, on so many levels. And I do think that there are enough holdovers that your point is valid. That uh, they did learn something from that, but there is just there is a level of professionalism, calm, and maturity when you visit this version of the Browns as compared to that version of the Browns, it, it is just, believe me, it is obvious. Now, does that mean um, with all that can go wrong during any NFL season for any of the 32 that they're just going to waltz into the playoffs in 2019 will be a thing of the past? No, because there's so many variables, but this team is set up for success far better than that team. And I think for Browns fans, myself being one of them, with the natural built-in anxiety that anything that can will go wrong, (laughs) that you need to forget that team. And if I may say so, go back to the 80s and go back to those teams where for the most part, you know, with the exception of three out of four AFC championship games against the Broncos, everything did go right they found a way to fight through adversity. And I think last year's team is an example of that. They fought through adversity and they were able to win at the end. And and I think that that is, is a reason to be optimistic for this year. Yeah. You hope you, they put some of that stuff behind them and then, and then, and definitely translate some of the, you know, the ability to overcome is what's so important. I think Baker led it. I, w- I would imagine most people would agree with that. It seems like he's trending in the right direction. I know there's there's still league-wide mixed opinion on him. Where do you kind of sit as Baker goes into a, what I, I would call his most important year of his career? Absolutely. Ascending player. I, I, that's, that's how I would describe him. If you go back to one of Baker's off-season Zooms last year, right? So mid midsummer 2020, I remember being on the press conference and, and he said, hey, listen, year three is huge for any quarterback. I, I know that. It's huge contractually. It's huge for any quarterback's development. And he answered the challenge. Man, year four is just as big. As we sit here today, he doesn't have the extension. And I don't know that it necessarily bothers him now. I don't know that. It's not firsthand information. You know, he and I spoke a couple of weeks ago when I was in camp and we did an interview for NFL Network. Um, I, I do not get the feeling that it it's bothering him. Quite the contrary. He's a guy that knows how to use these things to motivate him. Um, like I said, ascending player. And uh, I, I think there is, I'll use the words, calm and maturity, a level of both with him that permeates down through the entire team. Yeah, you talk about the calm maturity stuff. There's no denying that he's he's not doing the social media things. He's not saying the things in 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 public that he has said in the past. It is it is truly a blend into the background environment in Cleveland. And I would think it stems from Kevin Stefanski, which the quote absolutely you know, from 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 Peter Schrager recently about trying to get him on on you know uh, what's the podcast? I always blank on the podcast. Uh, 
coach, uh, flying coach, flying, flying coach. coach. Yeah. I couldn't get him on there that he wouldn't do it. You know, he was saying that he doesn't want to do anything nationally. I know, I know you've been to camp. You've talked with him privately. I'm sure something like, just give me your impression of Kevin as a guy, as a coach, all that stuff. So I'll go back Peter to the, um, I'll go back to the East West shrine bowl. And I'm trying to think what year it was, but Stefanski had, I called you Peter. I have a best friend, Peter Byrne, not a best friend, but Peter Burns, you know, from ESPN. I'm sorry, Jake. It's all, it's all good. Um, yeah. Uh, long term, Peter Burns, but we'll do that another time. Um, uh, so I'll go back to the Shrine Bowl, Jake, in, in St. Petersburg. And I don't know what year it was, like 17, maybe, or, or 16, something like that. And mm-hmm. he had just been promoted to quarterbacks coach from assistant quarterbacks coach with the Vikings. George Edwards and the Vikings staff were down there coaching. And we were in our production meeting, Mike Mayock and uh, yours truly and Charles Davis and, and Mike and Kevin, obviously with deep Philly ties through not only Kevin playing there and growing up there, but his father as well with, with, with the NBA and we were just shooting the breeze for like a half hour in that meeting. And, and he was going to call plays that day for the East West Shrine number the next day and said, when's the last time you call plays? He said, I don't know, Madden. <laughs> and we walked out of that meeting and, and Mayock was just going nuts on Stefanski about like, I am so happy. This guy has worked so hard. He finally has his own room, right? Like he finally has been promoted where he's in charge of the quarterbacks. He's got his own room. And he goes, that guy's going places. Um, and he was. Uh, he's prepared. Uh, he has an emotional intelligence, which I think is vital, vital these days in coaching. Um, you don't have to be a screamer. You don't, you don't have to, to, to run through a wall in front of your team. There is a way to connect with the young modern athlete that he has, uh, that Sean McVay has, that Brandon Staley has, um, and that's hard to find. And I think you saw that with the way this team played on the field last year. Yeah, it stems from their their top down approach. I mean, Kevin is he's rock solid. He's unwavering, you know, all of those buzzwords you want to use to describe him, I think fit so perfectly, so calculated. And I don't know that I've seen at least it's obvious. I haven't seen it in Cleveland, a mesh between the guy calling all of the plays on the field and a guy calling the shots from, from the office above. Have you had many interactions with Andrew Barry to come away feeling one way or the other? I mean, just from the outside, looking in just the ultimate impressive human man. Um, yeah, I have, uh, not, not many, just a handful, but as you said, impressive human. And I also think, and now the, now the cynic would say, well, of course he kept all 15 of his draft picks the last two years. He picked them. He doesn't want to look bad. I, I, I would look at it the other way, which is for the most part, those picks have come through. Now that said, you also have to give credit. And, and I was having dinner with my partner, Steve White's last night here in Canton, we were going through some of the John Dorsey picks. Um, John Dorsey put plenty of good players on this team as well. Baker Mayfield, Denzel Ward, most notably Wyatt Teller for a five from Buffalo. That is the, the underrated move of all time. Um, and, you know, he also had his missus, Antonio Callaway, most notably. Sheldrick Redwine's now a jet. Uh, but, yeah, I, I think that the partnership, and that's the key, 
you have to have the coach and the GM on the same page. But the partnership between Stefanski and Barry, I, I don't want to put him in Canton yet. It's only been a year, but I think they found something that clicks. Yeah, finally the process feels right. You know, not not a not a yeah. fight between the football and the and even Paul De Podesta, who they extended recently. All of that stuff seems to intertwine. And when that stuff happens, when everybody finds the same page as often as they feel like they are, then usually that's where the right culture stems and all of it. So back to the players real quick before we separate, just, just looking at who you're most excited about. Is it like the John Johnson coming over to the East coast? I know you'd watched him a lot with the Rams, just anybody you want to talk about as you're most excited to, to see on Cleveland this year. Oh man, who am I most excited to see? I, I'm going to give you an odd one. I'm, I know you've, You've looked at plenty of the tape, especially the Atlanta game. Um, I'm kind of excited to see Demetric Felton. Um, mm-hmm. I had a front row for him, obviously, playing at UCLA, both wide receiver and, and running back. Um, and then had a front row at the Senior Bowl as well, when he lined up a lot in the slot and nobody could hang with him off the ball so or off the line. So I, I'm very excited to see how they use him. Um, you know, I, I think if you look at the way Stefanski threw Jojo Natson in there in September last year before the knee injury, now I, I'm, I'm still waiting for Jojo Natson to, to really break anything in a game preseason or otherwise. I saw him up close for a couple of years in LA as well, calling the Rams preseason. Um, obviously they cut him and he's back on the practice squad, but that jet sweep motion, um, and the versatility that that they crave, I think, to keep defenses honest. They have now in Felton, and if he's healthy, Anthony Schwartz. So how those wrinkles, you know, manifest themselves in the offense? That I'm really interested to see those. Um, and defensively, I was skeptical and still am that the clowny move can pay off for 16 weeks, now 17 weeks. It it just hasn't happened, um, at least in his other stops. But the clowny that I saw early in camp just wrecking the full day in pads, the first day in pads against Jack Conklin, um, if you can be that guy, and and they are huge ifs, but if you can be that guy opposite Miles Garrett, then look out. Um, now he's got to stay healthy. But beyond that, the depth that defensive line really does frighten me. And to me, that's their biggest question mark. Without a doubt, without it, especially like I was watching so many of those camp days, and you would see these two ridiculously talented defensive ends, and then you get a little worried. Should I worry about the offensive line? And then they play seventeen snaps in Atlanta, and you're like. No, I probably shouldn't. These guys are still really good. They're just playing team, you know, teammates that are extremely hyper talented as well. So some yeah. of that stuff can confuse you a little bit. Um, it, it, it can, but but like, what's behind those guys? If and that look, Jadavian Clowney, I, I don't think is going to play seventeen games because history dictates he won't. Right. Yeah. So then, what do you have behind him? And can you rely on those guys? And can you can you expect them to step up? Same goes with the interior. You know, McDowell's a great story. Uh, he, he hasn't played an NFL game. So, uh, you know, Malik Jackson didn't do a lot in Philly the last year or two. You know, the, these guys have all had their moments. Can they consistently 
you know, be productive here in the middle. I'm not sure. Yeah. I would imagine if we have conversations about them having a great year or a bad year, either way, maybe not meeting expectations, it'll, it'll incorporate into to what you're talking about their health and durability and performance of those guys sure. up front, because the secondary should be better, should give them a little bit more time, Absolutely, but they have to, but they have to get home. Listen, I'm not going to hold you any longer. I know you're preparing for something way more important than this podcast, Andrew. Thank you so much for joining <laughs> us, man. I would love to have you on later in the year. If you find a window, I know you're about to be was as busy as anybody in the, in the business. Jake, absolutely. Let's do it again. And, and next time I, I'll, I'll tell you how Peter Burns ended up on TV one day by winning a contest on my radio show 20 years ago. That's a fantastic story. Can't wait okay. to hear it, man. Thanks again. You got it. Well, that was fun. Appreciate Andrew's time. Obviously, he's, he's preparing for a coverage of a game he's working. And, uh, you know, it's nice of him to, uh, to take a couple minutes for this podcast. And I do like to get as as I've said, we'll do the Monday, Tuesday comprehensive breakdowns. We'll talk to, to different guests throughout the week. We'll have John Colosimo on. We'll have Steven on Fridays. But I'm going to try to rotate you know, different voices, different perspectives into that other podcast throughout the week to try to give you an idea of what not just Brown's Twitter is thinking or your, your, your friends or whatever your coverage is. I try to give an NFL-wide perspective. I'll do my best there. Pretty fun week ahead. A ton of things to talk about with the Chiefs. We'll have a Chiefs guest on. We are going to do on Twitch, I think tentatively, a rewatch of last year's playoff game to get a feel for how the Chiefs played the Browns and maybe see if they're going to do some similar things. We'll also have a Film Room Chalk Talk Tuesday where I'm going to have a great guest on to talk about Browns offensive line, which is going to be a recurring thing on Chalk Talk. It's going to be great, great, insightful stuff. So join the OBR Twitch if you have not. Hopefully you have a fantastic Sunday. I know I'm about to have a fantastic Sunday welcoming the family back into town. You guys have a great day, and as usual, go Browns. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.